What's up, everybody? Jay Miller here, bringing another Productivity in Tech podcast. My guest this week is Will Gant. Will is a developer with over 20 years in the industry. He is also one half of the Complete Developer Podcast, another podcast that is focused to making developers as good as they can possibly be both inside and outside of development, so you know we had a lot to talk about. In fact, we talked for about three hours, but don't worry, unless you're a premium member, you're going to get a nice snippet of what we talked about over the course of the next couple of weeks. So this is going to be part one of my conversation, and if you listen to it and you think to yourself, Hey, I want this whole thing. I want more. What I need you to do is go over to productivityintech.com slash memberships. And there, become a premium member. By doing that, you gain access to the entire conversation. Not just the two parts that we're going to be releasing over this week and next week. But also... You're going to get the entire conversation, including the two-hour after show that we had. So I'm super excited to be giving this information out. Will is such a knowledgeable source in the industry. And on top of that, he is also one of my Southern friends. So you know the accent came out. So if you want to get a good laugh of that, as well as getting a direct line to me and know that you are supporting Productivity in Tech, head over to productivityintech.com slash memberships and become a member today. But without further ado, let's jump into the first part of this conversation with Will Gant. Uh, yeah, things are, things are nuts. Um, you know, work is like, there's a lot of big stuff going on at work. There's a lot of big stuff going on, you know, with our podcast and how it's, you know, it's spiking up. Uh, there's the book deal. Um, you know, our meetup group isn't really growing very much right now. Thank goodness. Um, like if it was, I would be so screwed. I like, I'm, a, I'm like capped out on everything I can do. Um, so yeah, it's, it's good times. But you know, that, that kind of brings up a topic. Like you've always been the guy that is doing developer slash podcasting slash like developer management very, very well and very efficiently. And you're hitting a point where you're like capped out. How are you like, I mean, what are you planning on doing about that? Like, are you, are you trying to like offload stuff to people? Are you trying to you know, just tell people you either got to make this more valuable for me or, I mean, are you just telling more people? No, I've kind of done a lot of, um, all of those things. You know, there's, there's always continual conversations at work, uh, as far as how to increase my value. thus the slice of the pie that I get. Um, I try to do that as frequently as I can. Um, you know, the, the podcast, you know, we have had the discussion where it's like, Hey, this thing does have to start, you know, bringing in some decent revenue just because of the time and money, you know, we could, 
make more, you know, just um, contracting, uh, you know, on the side for the amount of time that we spend on it. And so, you know, it's got to it's got to go up. Um, I have cut down on a lot of stuff like I hardly watch TV anymore at all. Uh, the only exception to that is uh, Game of Thrones. And um, I also watch uh, Russian dash cam videos with my daughter. There you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm learning the language. So like, yeah, it's, oh, it's cool. Still, yeah. But I, I did that because I was tired of listening to business podcasts and just like Pimsler hit me with an ad at the right time. And I've been doing it ever since. Um, and I enjoy it. I just haven't quite figured out where that goes yet. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm always doing uh, a lot of stuff. I, I do think I have to, uh, you know, target two or three things and really focus in a little bit, but, you know, now the opportunities are starting to present themselves. You know, like if you get out there and you, you, know, you put yourself out there, stuff starts showing up on your radar and you start getting on people's radar. And so that that's starting to happen. You know, that's something that I, I want to say I struggled with, but I'm starting to get better at now is just saying like, hey, I do a thing. And if you need help with that thing, hit me up. Yeah. Um and I, I don't know why it was so difficult to do. I, I guess it's like a, a, an imposter syndrome or, or, or something because I mean, even to this day, it's been what three, it's been three years, four years since I've like, I've been programming for about six years and I've been doing something like pit or, you know, something similar to it for about three. Yeah. I've still never held a developer job. <laughs> like, and it's funny because like, I'm not even in IT anymore. I'm in marketing and my marketing job has me doing more programming. Like you saw in the newsletter, like I'm writing jQuery. So I mean, I'm not necessarily happy with the code that I'm, you know, I'm working with, but at least I'm working with some code. I'm writing more code now as a marketing person than I was as an IT guy. Yeah, it's needed. Um, you know, there's an intersection there of, you know, marketing and software development that is, probably going to be a bigger thing the longer we go because like a lot of the other hard problems are kind of solved and marketing is always going to be a hard problem like it's never going to get fixed by oh yeah here's the system that that handles that thing like i mean do you remember like back in the day uh you know we would get uh you'd have to buy like a license for winzip you remember that like <laughs> yeah uh, i remember back. hitting the free trial button like 37 times yeah uh, you know, after a while, you just end up paying for it because you're like, man, just go away. <laughs> <laughs> and right. But that became a solved problem. Like you're not going to need a library for that. In fact, it's in your OS now. And, you know, a lot of other apps are going to you know get to that point. Um, you know, a lot of accounting stuff is probably going to get there. A lot of communication stuff, you know, graphic design. Like there's only so many things that you can do. And there's always improvements that can be made but you're probably not going to be writing a new one in, in a lot of these spaces and actually taking massive market share. You might do it with a niche, but you're not going to take, you know, you're not going to take over Photoshop. Yeah. And, and what I'm noticing now is the, the market is now about how can I take one thing and introduce it to a new market? You know, yeah. like I'm looking at street scooter, you know, rent a scooter company thing that's been out here in California for a minute they took something that already existed, a motorized scooter, and they attached the ability to pay to use it. <laughs> and that's it. 
And then they just littered the streets with them, which I mean, that to me, I, I, I think there are better ways to, to do business. But at the same time, like, OK, hey, let's take the idea of renting a hotel and change the word hotel to house. And then you have Airbnb, <laughs> you know, it's it's not like these companies are saying, let's invent something brand new. They're saying, hey, let's take this one thing that we already have and let's adopt it for a new market. And I, I think that is where a lot of my focus is now going. It is more of let me take what I know as a developer and let me introduce some of those ideas, concepts into the marketing plane. And I mean, just like with this whole productivity thing, like I'm not teaching people anything that productivity coaches haven't been teaching for you know the last few decades. But what I'm doing is I'm looking at how those same principles can be modified and applied to people who work in the tech space. Because I mean, if you tell people only check your email once a day, if you work at a help desk, yeah, you can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you will get fired if you check your email once a day. Well, that actually uh, reminds me of something. You know, uh, David Allen, you know, the getting things done guy. Yeah. I, I saw a video somewhere. I thought maybe you even sent this to me um, where it was talking about the system that he uses. He's on Lotus Notes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> right. When was like, the last time Lotus Notes was updated? <laughs> I... I, he's got like some custom plugins or something. And I want to say it was Lotus notes. He's, he's on something ancient. It wasn't like, you know, something that you can just go down to the store and get like, you've, you got to know a guy that's got a stack of floppies in a closet somewhere. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's, that's the thing, right. Is like all the productivity stuff, you know, is based around, you know, leveraging tech and all that kind of stuff for, you know, salespeople or for, um, you know, people that have kind of a, not a monotonous workflow, but like a, uh, like a structured funnel of things that they do. And, you know, so like they miss out on creatives, for instance, like productivity for creatives, that's an area that's not covered. Well, I mean, people are trying, but the, the problem is, is that you're, they're not most, I guess most productivity apps just aren't flexible enough. And, and I mean, there's there's this whole new branch of productivity apps like Notion and Coda and um, I think Taskade a little bit and Taskmeister is trying to get in there where now it's it's not about what the platform functions like. It is how many different views can we present the same information in? And like yeah. with, with Notion, it's like, you know, do you want it in a table? You can get it in a table. Do you want it on a separate page? You can put it in a separate page. Do you want it to be a link, a picture, a video, or what? Like you can throw whatever you want in there. It's Evernote, but it's Evernote if Evernote had a better task manager and the ability to have tables that could be linked to other tables in other pages doing other things. Yeah, and, and not lose data. And not lose data. So, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's literally like, hey, you know, relational databases – Let's just create a front end for a SQL database that user that every user in the world could get behind. <laughs> and and so, you could do that stuff in Access, you know, back in the day. Um, but yeah, it does look like it's a much better product. I, you know, I've I've struggled. I've I've looked at uh, switching to Notion. I'm on uh, uh, my system is like this weird hacky mess, right? Like I have uh, I have Nosby. 
okay. uh, a task management, right? And breaking out all the projects and all that stuff. But some things that go through a process, you know, if there's multiple steps and it's kind of a repeating process, then I have Kanban flow. And so I have Kanban boards and then I have Zapier hooks that take, you know, when I move a card over and actually push it into the task system, because that's what I live out of. And it's, it gets weird real quick with all the stuff that, you know, that you have to hook in. And, you know, I think the, um, the automation opportunities are very interesting, but it's, I definitely have found myself stressing that system out quite a bit. Definitely. And and I mean, with Notion, I, I still feel like they did two things wrong. The first thing that they did was they didn't do their API first, uh, at least not their public API first. Um, I feel like there's, and maybe I'm, I'm just, you know, voicing my, my rage here because I like using APIs to tie things together. Yeah, me too. But the fact that I can't take something and then just quickly move it in, like it, it was almost a year before they got a web clipper. <laughs> you know, you had wow. to literally like copy and paste the URL in and, and even then like, and, but the thing is the, the competitors that are around them are no, they're no better. You know, like, Coda has an API. Coda, in my opinion, is probably more powerful, but it's built behind like the Google Docs like API system. So it's limited in its own issues. So for me, it's like, how am I supposed to how am I supposed to get behind something when I know what the limitations are and I and I'm already like seeing the problems with it? Yeah. And I mean, my thing with uh, Notion is I don't think they even have a uh, dark theme, do they? Not that Evernote does either. Cause I like, think they do now. Actually, I can tell you. Hold on, let me. Yeah, that's that's almost a uh, showstopper for me is you know not having a dark theme and then not uh, working on Linux. I mean, even though I'm on Windows, I want to be able to, you know, if, if Microsoft gets much worse, I want to be able to bail. Right. Oh, yeah, they do have dark mode now. There it is. Okay. Well, just there you gotta, go. You just got to know where to find it, <laughs> apparently. Yeah. Well, Evernote doesn't. Um, yeah. I can well, remember somebody filed a ticket for that in like 2009, 2010. It's still on their forum. And they're like, why can't we have a dark mode? Because you got to have business chat. Yeah. <laughs> I pick on Evernote too much. <laughs> I do too. I mean, you know, they have spent so much money. And I know that their app does a lot of stuff. I feel like it does a little too much in a lot of respects. Like I almost, I think one of the things, you know, pointing back at your idea about, you know, starting with the API is that gives you an opportunity to say, Hey, this is the edge of my platform and I'm not going out here into this other stuff. I'm going to make my area work and somebody that wants the other stuff can buy the other thing and tie it together. Right. You know, that that's interesting because, you know, I've been working on this, this web app, you know, cough talks and all that. But with that, the first time I, I started working on it, I was like, all right, what database am I going to use? All right, what front end am I, am I going to use? And I was like, you know what? Let me just see if people are even interested in this thing. And I just went on Airtable. I've, I made two forms in Airtable linked them onto a page that's running bootstrap, like <laughs> with very little styling on it and just threw it out there. And, and I get, I get like confirmations on it all the time. And it's just like, okay, people actually want this. But then the next thing that I did was 
I was like, all right, well, let me look at building like a serverless, you know, architecture for it and start looking at RDS and and using, you know, AWS Lambda and the API gateway for stuff. And I got so lost in all the minutia that eventually I just scrapped that entire side of it and was like, let me just go back to what I know, just building basic APIs and like a simple web, like, ASGI framework and in like a week I had like the bare bones of you know the comp talks platform and what's funny is I could give someone an API key today and they could they could sign up they could create their account they'd get their they get emails I mean probably wouldn't be of any use to them right now because there's no there's not any content in there but they could use it today if they knew how to navigate through the API. And to me, it was like, like you said, Evernote has so many features. I feel like if, if they tried to like say, okay, we're going to start from scratch today, but we're going to have to build an API that hits all of our feature set, it would never come out. Like the business would go under. Oh yeah. And it might still, um, I mean, if you look at some of their expenses, uh, you know, I saw a, uh, a P&L not too long ago from them that wasn't didn't look all that good for the amount of money they're spending. Um, I do think they've kind of grown past what they want to do. Um, I think it's probably still a good product. It's just, I don't know, it's too big. It's almost like, uh, you know, like Word and Excel and some of those things. Like if you look at the functionality that's actually used in Word day to day, there's there's like seventy percent of it that's you know frequently used, and then there's all these weird crannies and you know nooks and stuff that they got to test anyway. Oh yeah, and and I mean one of the things like the Mac version of of Microsoft Office takes out a lot of that stuff, and it yep. worked in my opinion. It's it's a nicer interface and easier to use and maneuver around, just because it there isn't as much like cruft just sitting in there. Yeah. I mean, of course the other thing too is like windows interfaces. Um, people are more comfortable with really crappy interfaces like Apple, you know, whatever else you can say about Apple. Like one thing that they have done is they've said, Hey, this is not going to look like garbage. Yeah. And you're not going to, you're not going to do this and make it look like garbage. And the expectation is going to be, it's going to look decent. Whereas I mean, there's parts of Windows that, frankly, don't look like they've been changed since, I don't know, NT. Well, I mean, and like you said, with that, Apple has their own UI kit. Like, it is a part of the programming language of you can make a simple Hello World app and throw some UI kit components in there, and it will still look better than anything else like and, and take you just as much time. So like to me, like the fact that the baseline looks good, that I mean, that's something that that, like you said, Apple's just done. And I think that's part of that's part of who Apple as a company is, um, or at least I guess at, that they were, you know, historically. And they were all about like, you know, let's do something that looks better than what all of our competitors are doing. It doesn't have to perform better. It just has to look better. Yeah. Well, honestly, you know, performance for most people is appearance. Yep. Um, you know, your your managers at most companies, if you're you know, reporting to somebody, 
that's what it is. They're looking, you know, your performance, unless they have actual numeric metrics for you did this amount in this time, it's, it's all about, uh, you know, managing performance by way of managing the appearance of performance. Yeah. And that's actually a good point too, because I know of several instances where help desks have closed tickets that they didn't work on. It was like, okay, the ticket was sitting in here for so long that obviously if it was still a problem, there would be, you know, they would have said something else by now. So it's okay to close this ticket. And they do that to pad their numbers. Or what they'll do is they'll wait and they'll have tickets sitting in their queue that they've already handled, that they've already resolved. And then when they look and they go, oh, no, your numbers aren't looking, you know, much better this year or this month or whatever. Then they'll go back and they'll just start closing like all these tickets that have that have been done. They've been processed. And yeah. it just looks like you said, it looks better. It looks like they're doing something. Yeah. And I mean, we see developers do this kind of stuff too, right? Where, you know, they'll have built you know a huge chunk of the system and and not stuck a UI on it. And then they just go back and like slap the UI on there when when it looks like management's about to start breathing down their neck. Yeah, thank God for bootstrap. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because yeah, uh, that's just kind of the way of the world. I mean, I think I honestly think that that's probably ninety percent of stuff out there is just what does this actually look like? Um, you know, I had you know right before we got on, I finished eating some borscht. You know, I had some uh, Russian soup. You know, the beet soup. Yep, and it. You know, the, the place is kind of like a little, little bitty market and they, you know, they give it to you like in this plastic bin and it doesn't, it doesn't look all that great, but it was good. You know, like that is a much rarer thing than somebody serving you something that looks good and isn't. Oh yeah. I mean, and you'll pay three times as much for it too. You'll pay $30 for a plate that has two pieces of lettuce a stick of asparagus and a, a small potato on it and they'll call it, you know, something fancy and charge you a premium. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, like anytime you see the word mayo replaced with, uh, aioli. Aioli. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like that's when, you know, you just like, I wish like in, in meat space, we could do like control F <laughs> like you open a menu and just like automatically go, okay, I want to find certain words. Like mm-hmm. have like a uh, you know have like a blacklist of words to go. Okay, this place is too expensive for people like me to eat at, right? <laughs> and that that usually you know there's just certain words that you see that are like that, and you know where they talk about it, it's a something something reduction. It's like okay, we thickened the sauce. Yep. Thanks. If, it, <laughs> you if you use if you use prosciutto instead of bacon, <laughs> yes. Um, although those are very slightly different, but yeah, they're, you're not going to know if you're eating it. <laughs> the thing about prosciutto is, is there's less of it. Yep. <laughs> you know, like they can give you a pound of bacon. They're not going to give you a pound of prosciutto. Yep. So yeah, we, earlier you were talking, I guess, try to get us back on a little bit on track here. I don't know what the topic is really, but uh, <laughs> earlier you mentioned, uh, you know, you, you're not, at, not at, basically at the end of your rope on the amount of time and commitment that you had to give to projects. So 
one of the things that I, you know, I was talking with someone earlier, we're talking about value for value. What, what is it that you'd like to see come out of the projects that, that you've, you're taking on right now? Cause I mean, I mean, I'm building an app. The app isn't really designed to make a million dollars. I mean, it'd be nice if I made a cool, you know, thousand or whatever, but you know, it's, it, the idea of it is to learn how to build APIs and build a web app that, you know, can help a bunch of developers. The podcast is designed to let people know, Hey, I do productivity coaching. I'm more than willing to help you out. But at the same time, I'm going to do it from an approach that's real, not productivity porn. And so what is it that you're trying to get out of doing all of these things? Uh, one of the things is getting enough experience to actually be able to do a product based business of some sort. Um, yeah, the book that I've got, I initially kicked it out the door as an ebook. You know, I did my market research at Nashville software school, you know, talking to the students, helping them prepare for whiteboard interviews. And I pushed the book out on Thanksgiving day. And I think a week later I got hit up by a larger publisher that wanted me to expand it and publish under their platform. I mean, initially the, the goal of that was for me to get the feedback and learn how to do all the pieces to market something small. And I, I did market it very, very well because I got a very large publisher interested in it. That wasn't what I was targeting, but I, I did okay on that. Um, so I think, you know, a lot of my focus really needs to be around, okay, how do I, how do I build up myself to the point where I have all these various holes in my knowledge filled in? Like I can build a website. I, you know, I've been doing that for a lot longer than I want to admit. Um, I can write decent marketing copy. Um, I kind of stink at building an email list. Um, I do okay at product research, at coming up with stuff to build. Um, I do fairly well at content production. I can tell you that like on this book, um, I learned, you know, with the expansion that I can really get a lot of stuff done in a short period of time. There was, uh, I think one week I got 55 pages and the next week I got 50 written. And that's that's on top of a full-time job, podcast, meetup group, having a family, um, all that. And so that was a little bit of a shock as well. Um, because my thoughts were, okay, I could probably get 20 on a really good week, but I got 55. And so I'm now looking at it going, okay, this is probably my superpower, right? Cause there's always something, you know, there's some part of your life where you've got a big freaking hammer and you just need to find what the nail is. Well, I, I do think that there's, there's something to say about the ability to do something at a, at a pace that is either faster or more efficient than what the the standard or what our expectations are. I mean, I didn't realize how much time it took to edit videos until the first time I had to edit, you know, a course video. And, oh, yeah. you know, they talk about edit, editing just audio. Like if you're editing a, a 30 minute podcast, probably it'll take you an hour to edit if you're like going through each bit of the audio. And, and trying to make adjustments and then equalizing everything, getting it leveled out and all that stuff. But the the thing is, over time, you start to find areas that are, you know, that you can cheat on, I guess. There's a there's a video, I'll send it to you. Um, 
it's from a comic, uh, not a not not uh, not a comedian, but like someone who actually draws comics. Um, he wrote a book. Uh, it was like a, a graphic novel that he wanted to write, and it was it took like twelve years to write it. And he talked about like what he could have done better and how he could have been more productive with his time. And a lot of it was, it was like crazy stuff. It was like, okay, in these 50 pages, every scene or every like panel has a different background and each background was drawn individually and added. I could have copied and pasted the same background again and again for 50 pages and added different content, different style, and it would have sped up the process so much. And and I think about that because, you know, you're talking about, you know, you're doing all these things, but what are you doing to, I guess, to copy and paste the panels together and, and put out content that's equally as good, but takes less time. Well, like with the book, um, you know, I started out and I outlined, you know, thoroughly um, ahead of time. And, you know, the whole thing got all the pieces kind of lined up where I knew where everything was going to be, what all was going to be there. I mean, I started out with a mind map and then I moved it to an outline. Um, And then what I would do is I would sit down to write and I would have a goal. I'm going to get these sections done and just sit there and just plow through it. And once that was done, I usually had something in the queue that needed to be edited. So like after I finish writing, I know that I'm going to stink at editing for the first pass until I have sat on that content for two weeks. Yeah. So I I scheduled it like that um, and just kind of, you know, alternated that. Uh, The other thing I did is I realized, hey, you know, I can write reasonably well um, with a little bit of background noise. And so I, you know, I would have uh, YouTube up and just be like playing random stuff, you know, just like, you know, how you just click on something. You're like, okay, I'm going to play this music and I'm going to go. Well, I would do that and just let it go where it went and then work. And then I was like, you know, kind of paying attention to what different styles of music did at different points to me mentally. So like if I'm, if I'm writing, you know, more of either classical or techno does a pretty good job for me, but I was also interested to find that, um, you know, a lot of heavy metal did pretty well for me as well. And I listened to some weird stuff. I mean, like there's some Indian street metal, uh, that I got into, I got on a kick of that for a while. I was listening to, uh, Mongolian death metal at one point and sit here, you know, sipping scotch and writing. And the trick with that stuff was I do think it slowed down the pace of my writing, but it increases sustainability. Um, So instead of just, you know, writing full tilt for an hour, I could go for like four or five. And it wasn't, it wasn't making me as tired. Um, I think that's a lot of it too, is you just got to figure out if you're, if you're having to really kind of do a marathon style, like what, what things can you do that change that change your endurance versus what can you do that changes your speed? I I think that's smart too. Cause that's like, that's like marathon running. Like you're using the same legs, you know, to get from point A to point B, but because you're trying to last longer, it involves more activation of your core, um, better posture with your back. Like, I mean, being in the military, we had to run a, like the Marine Corps, you have a, a PFT. And in part of that is a three mile run. 
So usually the minimum that we ran when we were doing any type of, of like physical training was three miles. That way you knew like, okay, if I do three miles every single day, I can at least do this three mile run. But if I can run, you know, five miles, if I can run six miles, it might take me twice as long, but I know that I can do it. Therefore, when it comes time for the three mile run, it's like, I've already been able to run a six mile, you know, so half of that is nothing. Yeah. Uh, you know, that actually reminds me of uh, some martial arts training that I had because, you know, like normally they'll get people and they'll line up and they'll, they'll bow and then they'll spar. Right. Well, you know, I, I had one teacher that would actually have the person that was across from you just yell profanity at you and scream at you and all this stuff while they're coming in. And what it taught you to do was, is you, you were calm, even if people were just completely losing their minds. And that is a better way to approach it because, you know, if, if it's the worst thing in the world in a dojo, it's probably not going to be as bad on the street. Whereas if it's all calm and relaxed in the dojo, when you get on the street, you don't know what to do. Yeah. And, and even with, um, what was I watching? And it's going to be stupid. <laughs> oh yeah. The world is like the world rock, paper, scissors championship. Yeah. That's a thing. <laughs> Google it. <laughs> um, but in that they talk about the best rock, paper, scissors players in the world often shout what they're going to play right before they play it. And that's like perfect. Like that's in the rules. It's encouraged or whatever. But they do it to try to psych out their opponent. And, and I think that that's the thing is like we often psych ourselves out by just like trying to verbally assess what we're trying to do. Like you said, yeah. if, if you walked in, you were like, I got to write a whole book. That, that's a pretty big task. But if you say, I mean, what you do, you said, I, I want to write 20 pages. And, you know, even if you look at it, 20 pages, that's, you know, four pages a day, Monday through Friday. That's 20 pages. I can write four pages in a day. I did that in high school all the time, especially like right before the five page paper was due. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> so I know that if I can do that. I just do that. And then in the end, you wind up doing more than you thought you would be able to. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can say that as somebody who has just finished recording their 199th podcast episode, you know, Beach and I recorded that uh, Monday night. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And you think about that, like that is, well, I mean, probably 200, 210, 220 hours of content. Uh, for all those recordings, because we go a little bit over an hour. And plus some of the early ones, we weren't so disciplined on time. And that's insane. I mean, if you told me I had to sit down right now and do that, you can't. Um, But if you go, okay, well, every week I've got this little bit of work I got to do, and I just keep marching along, that's reasonably sustainable. I'm not going to say it's easy because it's, it's definitely not, right? It's pushed me. Um, but it's actually survivable. Well, that knowing, like you said, you know, for a fact that if you just wrote, you know, 15 pages worth of stuff, if you go back and immediately try to edit that same 15 pages, it's going to be too fresh. It's not, you're not, your editing isn't going to be that great. And that, that's the exact same reason why we're recording this on a Wednesday. It'll get edited the Monday before the podcast goes out on Tuesday. And I do that for, for that exact reason. That way, when I'm listening to it again, I've almost all but forgotten the conversation. I might remember bits and pieces of it, 
but it gives me the reason to go through it all and and to do a better job and and to hear it with fresh ears. And I, I think that's something that, you know, if we're talking about developers, developers need to do that more, I think. Like, don't don't try to refactor your code right after you just wrote it. <laughs> like, please don't. Um, it, it You will make a mess of things. I've done it. it. I've made a mess of things. But, you know, give give your code time to breathe. Give your brain time to recoup. You know, I, I think putting pause in places that are necessary or that don't seem necessary but just seem convenient or nice, I think that makes for a more productive, uh, to use your phrase, more complete developer. Yeah, it really does. I mean, I, I've i done some really dumb stuff in code. I, you know, Heck, I found some stuff today that I did like three weeks ago. And yeah, you know, thankfully did not revisit it until today because I probably wouldn't have seen the problems. And it wasn't anything real bad. It was just like, hey, here's a stored proc that's not, uh, you know, not setting the value of an output parameter. This is going to break some stuff that needs it, you know, further upstream. Um, if I had looked at that again, um, you know, the day I wrote it, I would have never seen that. Um, but when I went back today to do something else to it entirely, I spotted that because I was looking at it with fresh eyes, you know, trying to figure out where to do stuff. And that's extremely valuable. Like when you get to the point where you can go, okay, I'm going to walk away from this thing and come back to it and be essentially a third person. You know, that that's the win. You've been listening to my conversation with Will Gant, at least the first part of it. Now, don't forget next week, we're going to continue this conversation. But if you want to get an early jump on the conversation that I have with Will, uh, we talk a lot about more content creation, how to improve the way that you work as a person in tech. And we also jump into the idea of actually getting paid for the work that you're doing, even if it is a passion project. So that's what Pit was. It was a passion project. It was something that I did because I enjoyed doing it. And that's what Complete Developer is for Will. Um, But we are both making strides to transform that idea into something that basically feeds our family. So any help that you can provide is appreciated with that. You can do a few things. The first thing that you can do is become a Pit Premium member. $10 a month or $100 a year. Productivityintech.com slash memberships. But you're telling me you don't have $10 a month or $100 a year. I get that. It's perfectly fine. You can go on iTunes, leave us one of those fancy five-star reviews saying that we're an awesome podcast. Tell us what you like about it. And then even let us know that you gave us that review. You can do that on Twitter. I'm at KJY Miller. And of course, you can follow the podcast at prod underscore in underscore tech. And of course, you can find our previous episodes and many other things, as well as how you can hire me to help you with your podcast idea or your video project or whatever you've got going on in the tech space. You can do that over at productivityintech.com. But that's going to do it for this week. 
I'm looking forward to our conversation next week where we continue with Will. But for the Productivity in Tech podcast, I have to thank Nadir Omawale for the use of his music, A Hustler in Spite of Myself, for the intro and outro. I'm Jay Miller, and I hope we've been productive. <laughs>